The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleiner. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water and water lifetime. Worldwide, we're the only radio talk show syndicated that's bringing water, your life and water to a focus and focusing on your health, the health of our planet, the health of your water vapor, of the air you're breathing, and that keeps you alive. And teaching you something that you hadn't been taught before about how you operate on water, just as the nature of the earth operates with water. This is our 10th year. And seriously, all of our guests have just been absolutely very serious, very dedicated to the health of education and, let's say, nature's pharma, a better understanding why water is, should be the focus of all infrastructures all over the planet. It should be the number one focus of every infrastructure in your city, in your county, in your state, in your country, all over the planet. We're going to do this together. And as you've heard with many of my guests, and when you heard Dr. Pollock and I talking recently, and you've heard Dr. Chow and I talk recently, many of our, this 10th year, that we know the timing is right, but we are help and the future of what we're doing to take to the world the subject of this. We talk about water, W-A-T-E-R. It became the number one investment in the investment world there is today. Nothing is more invested in and people more excited in to secretly buy investments in waters before everybody finds it out is in water. And the reason why is we treated it so carelessly, our leaders, the leaders that you voted on, people of the world that are in science, were having to go for grants and money that they didn't make it sound like in their grant or they're searching for money, that, oh my gosh, it sounds something like the investor wants to hear in water, they wouldn't invest because they had a, they had a platform. They wanted to hear something else. And as Dr. Pollock and I recently had a show that has just hit the fan, is that, this, uh, that we've, we're saying in that show that water research at the 1800s became almost to a dead standstill because people were being intimidated as scientists 
how are you going to make money at water? What are you going to do with my investment to get me a return quick enough with water? Well, that's changed. Behind the scenes, and these venture capitalists and these different money managers, water is the number one investment on the planet because it has become so scarce and been treated so badly. Something you've got to know, that in your mother's womb, you, were, you began all of your life and your organs in water. Water. All those organs inside of that water were formulated and put together systematically with nature, let's use common sense, to operate preparing you that when you arrived into the air we breathe, the atmosphere, that nature put there to keep you alive. And it's the water out of the atmosphere that keeps you alive. That once you entered into that area of life, that you wouldn't die immediately. Because immediately you become like a sieve. You begin an evaporation. And I want you to remember that word, evaporation of water loss from in your body at that moment on to death. What is a disease? What is a symptom? Water inside your body, and each of the organs has a percentage. And I'm going to remind you today of that percentage, because that percentage operates with each of the organs' percentage in the body. But it's evaporating each day with your lifestyle, your choices. There are no two eyes alike. There are no finger, two fingerprints alike. You even look a little different. You have a lot of differences inside of there. Operating to live through that skin with the rest of the planet Earth with the water vapor keeping you alive. The brain and the eyes form together at the same nature's moment. Why? Because the surface of your eye is 99% water. It's not saline solution. It's not an eye drop. It's water. 99% water at the surface. But the brain behind there is connected with the eyes, and the brain is 80 to 85% water. What happens if the eyes do not absorb out of the water vapor of the atmosphere enough for you personally? Remember, no two eyes alike that you have the ability to supplement with the water vapor of the air enough, but if you don't, for you personally, absorb enough, your brain goes on kickback. It's always there for your kick to support you. Guess what happens when it overloads that? You became exhausted. You became emotionally sleepy. You became stressed out because you can't keep it up. Because for you personally, maybe your lifestyle, something isn't right for you personally. You have an over-evaporation of the eye, and then all of a sudden, 
lungs, 75 to 80% water, the liver, 70 to 75% water, your skin, 70 to 75% water, your blood, 50% water, muscles, 70 to 75% water, kidneys, 80 to 85% water, bones, 20 to 25% water, your heart, working with the lungs and the rest of your body, 75 to 80% water, your teeth, 8 to 10% water. What are we? We're a walking sponge of water, living with the planet Earth and nature, with the atmospheric water vapor that keeps you alive. It's the primary, it's the only reason you're alive. It's the only reason the planet Earth has a life at all. There's the fresh water on the planet and the water on the planet and down in the aquifers to keep that Earth recycling with nature, living with the solar system. What's the miracle of our lives? of every moment. Why do you think they haven't found the cure of diseases? When was the last time you heard of a cure? I've talked to scientists and physicians. They aren't curing anymore because in the late 1800s, they forgot to finish studying water because they were being embarrassed, scientists and intimidated. Oh, it can't get us anywhere. Investors did that to them. And guess what? My investors didn't do that to me. We've been studying it for many, many, many years now, and we put millions of dollars in this to be able to determine how do we find a cure? How do we slow that over-evaporation down? What do we do to supplement the atmospheric water vapor like we supplement everything else we have in our everyday life? You have a supplement how to brush your teeth. You've got all the products how to brush your teeth. Because if you get cavities, the saliva will change, the gums will become unhealthy, your pH, which is your acid mantle protection of your saliva, begins to affect the rest of your organs of your body, and your teeth begin to rot. And the teeth are water, too. It begins to affect the rest of the kidneys and the liver and the rest of the body. If you didn't have a toothbrush, learning how to brush your teeth. Now, the future of this show and what we're trying to do, thanks to Dr. Pollock and all the wonderful guests we've had on this show, I could go on and on. Dr. Dwayne Cecil from NASA, 40-year veteran, scientist, studying atmosphere, water, studying the Earth's water and the climate. How do we live with all of this and make sure water is a primary? Dr. Effie Chow, we could go on and on. All the wonderful gifts from Kenya to Canada to London and England and other parts of the world, all through the United States, coming on and teaching us in our research radio talk show here to discover and educate how you can live and how you can have a better life and let's find that cure. Scientists getting back into water research again, primarily water research. That is water life science, and that's what we do. I want you to understand that what this is all about 
is also life and death of the planet Earth, because how you treat yourself is going to happen to the eternity of the planet. I hope to gosh you don't have a bumper sticker saying you're going to take it all with you, because that's not going to happen. We are going to be dedicated to preserving this Earth for all the children of the world to know that they're going to have a planet and nature of health, and they're going to learn that they're a walking sponge of water, and we have to make sure our infrastructure focus is primarily, number one, protecting the water and learning more technology for the water. Today, we have a lot of excitement. We have Jay Egg on, um, and we're going to talk about geothermal energy, water energy. And then my secretary looked up some new stuff on, look this up on water, uh, go to your website and type in Facebook, to Facebook page, I care about water. And you're going to bring up all kinds of things. I care about water. Then I had somebody send me something about the, the rise of water optimism. Look up that. And then look up Water in plain sight. Look up that. And then look up ocean warming, greatest hidden challenge of our generation. Ocean warming. And I have some ideas about that one. We'll talk about them today. And then uh, on why that's happening. And then type in what is happening with the Native Indian um, demonstration going on at the Keystone Pipeline. And we'll listen to our sponsor first which is why I get to come on and work with, be with you all these years, uh, Biologic Aqua Research, which I am the founder of, and Water Life Science. Uh, we, uh, we have a product that physicians came to me many years ago with my studies of the skin and evaporation that could cause melanoma in the future of outrageous skin cancer because of evaporation. Uh, they said, could you study the eyes that way? Because if the eyes are over-evaporating and blindness is out of control, vision impairment complaints of the eyes. It is evaporation of the eye. And I said, I'll study it for a year, and I did. I sent it back to them, and they said, you've got to do it. It's a supplementation to the eyes, like you brush your teeth, you drink out of a glass of water, you're wearing clothing, I hope, for your climate, for climate season. I hope you're eating the right food. I hope you've learned how to breathe correctly that water vapor and do your exercises. And I'm hoping you've learned how to do moderate exercise. And then I hope you're also sleeping properly. That is all new technology that we've been trying to teach. So remember that what goes on with you needs to be supplemented. Nature's Tears I Missed was born to be able to supplement with a trade secret of tissue culture-grade water to supplement your eyes every day, to make it religious, make it religious at least once to twice a day. If you have complaints, you might want to do it six times a day to mist, with just a fine mist. And by the way, girls, if you're wearing cosmetics, it softens the clothes, foot, feet, but it also softens the cosmetics. It does not drip. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist to supplement the surface of the eyes, to slow down the evaporation. And we'll be right back with Jay Egg, who's a geothermal specialist. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Jay, are you with us? Yes, I am, Sharon. How are you? Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, and I'm I've been studying water for over 30 years and uh, this planet, and but on the human side also of water and uh, understand the fresh water on the planet, under the planet, and around the planet, global. How did you get into this, Jay? I want the audience to know that you have a your geothermal uh, energy uh, background and uh, designer. How did you get into choosing geothermal energy to be your, obviously, your career and your investment? Well, um, very briefly, Sharon, I was, um, I was in the uh, U.S. Navy as a nuclear power electrician um, okay. back in the mid-'80s. And uh, okay. when I got out of the Navy, I, uh, I, saw, I got out in Orlando, Florida, and just being an entrepreneur, I said, well, you can't live here without air conditioning um, because it was a tropical climate, still is, of course, and it needed cooling. And as I researched some uh, different ways of cooling, I found that cooling was uh, geothermal, meaning earth heat uh, or the earth as a heat source and a heat sink made a lot of sense. So I went ahead and became a, uh, a mechanical contractor in Florida and founded my uh, business based on geothermal heating and cooling. Now, geothermal mm-hmm. heating and cooling, there are, there are a few different types of geothermal, but they all use the earth. Probably most people, most of your listeners are familiar with a type of geothermal where you use the heat from the earth to spin turbines and make electricity. With geothermal heating and cooling, you use the even temperature of the earth or the earth or the water in the earth as a heat source or a heat sink to um, provide heating and cooling. It provides some tremendous benefits, however, to uh, conservation of of fresh water, but I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Uh, I simply should probably say um, for your question, I, uh, as a contractor in geothermal heating and cooling, I, I stuck with it and became very successful. And in 2009, um, the president uh, put into play the uh, stimulus package for renewable energy technologies, and geothermal was one of them. So 
Um, very shortly thereafter, McGraw-Hill, New York, called me and asked me to write a textbook on the subject because I, be- I don't believe this, but they believe that maybe I had the most experience with it because of maybe some television programs or some systems I'd put in. But I certainly accepted that um, opportunity and went ahead with a co-writer who was uh, Brian Clark Howard, and he works with National Geographic now as the senior editor. I went ahead and wrote our first book, Geothermal HVAC, Green Heating and Cooling, with him, and it did so well, they quickly asked if I would write a graduate-level textbook, which I felt was way over my head, so I enlisted the help of two great PEs in the field, and the three of us wrote uh, Modern Geothermal HVAC Engineering Mm -hmm. and Control Applications, and Mm -hmm. that kind of got me out of contracting into speaking, writing, and consulting, uh, mm-hmm. probably where your people so found how, me. How long, have, how long have you been focusing on that? Um, 25, uh, probably 27 years now, Sharon. Okay, okay. Now let's, okay. Now they've gotten to know your PAC commitment and what you've done, and I really um, admire what you're doing, too. Um, it's going to do well for you, not only uh, for helping the planet, but also uh, for financially when people catch on what you're doing. Now, explain why you chose to go the direction of geothermal energy and what that means uh, uh, for uh, to develop as a technology. Now, were you able to patent anything or get anything for your intellectual property values? to protect as you're building this? That, I need to ask you that real quick. That is a great question, Sharon. Um, at being very young and, and, and thinking that I actually, in 1989, um, put together my first geothermal heating and cooling system, and I mm-hmm. thought I had invented it at that time. However, it <laughs> turns out that Oklahoma State University had instituted something called the International Ground Source or Geothermal Heat Pump Association. And uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I, I found out within a few months of building my first system that they had. So, you know, the, the old saying is that smart people learn from their own mistakes. Really smart people learn from <laughs> others. So they, I traveled uh, yeah. to Oklahoma. Yes, right? And so yeah. I traveled to uh, you got, you got University. And, and Jay, those research centers and and, uh, and universities are in the money making. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so I went IP, up to... That's their, that's, their, that's their whole research department, just uh, gathering IP values uh, for the university or the research center. Right. Yeah. Well, I traveled up there, and I I spent some time with a man who was considered the the father of geothermal heating and cooling, Dr. Jim Bose, and I I learned all that I could there in in 1990, and I and I came back and applied the technology in Florida. Uh, there's nothing that's patentable there. Every manufacturer that you can mention, uh, carrier, train, all of them make. Um, geothermal heating and cooling equipment. It's the way that you attach it to the earth that is critical um, because there, we want it to be done responsibly. And I feel like this is a good place to interject. Your, your focus on water and water conservation. I'm going to throw in a tip 
tidbit, a golden nugget here that um, that you could probably um, really hang on to. Uh, as of 2000, the 2010 census in the United States, there were 81 billion square feet of commercial buildings. Um, now, you're probably familiar in many commercial buildings, not all, but many of your high-rises and universities and, and all of these different institutions, you've heard of cooling towers. These are the big towers, the, the big boxes that sit either on top of buildings or out beside them, and they exhaust the heat from buildings when they're, um, when they're air conditioning, when they're chiller plants or air conditioning. What people don't know is we're going around trying to um, conserve uh, water for irrigation, fresh water for irrigation, fresh water in restrooms by doing the automatic faucets, the low flush. Do you know that the number two use of fresh water in the United States is cooling towers? And people don't really realize that. that. Explain that again. Okay. So the amount of water that -hmm. they're having to use in these different major big cities Mm -hmm. and these, uh, these, let's say, over two stories high buildings, yeah, uh, are are taking more water than irrigation than uh, the uh, ir- uh, agriculture. They're they're taking they're the second largest user of second fresh largest water agriculture. Okay, in 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 no, I'm not I'm, I got to exclude agriculture. I'm talking about in in buildings in the United States. Okay. It, okay. It, so okay. Including including uh, restroom facilities, kitchen facilities, irrigation for commercial laundry. And don't forget facilities. laundry, Jay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> People forget now, how much laundry is get... done in the United States of America. <laughs> I know. I know, and and that's something to watch too. But I'm just going to bring it home real quick. As of 2010, there, um, according to uh, according to the uh, U.S. Census. There were two, uh, 81 billion square feet of buildings, and we have the figures on how many of those. It's about 60% use cooling towers. Some of them use uh, mm-hmm. something called uh, DX, which is straight air cooling. But a cooling tower, mm-hmm. I should explain how it works. The way it works is it's this big um, unit outside that takes the heat that the chillers pump out of the building. And to get it a little bit cooler, uh, as you might imagine, just like if you're outside and it's really hot, if somebody's um, sprays the mist on you, like in a, in, a, in a theme park, you can go through the misters, it cools you down, right? Well, that's right. the way cooling towers work. They spray a mist on this, but what happens when they spray the mist on these cooling tower pipes with the fans is you get evaporation of fresh water. They have to use fresh water for all, mm-hmm. all, all kinds of reasons. Um, they just can't use anything else. So by code, they have to use this fresh water and it evaporates a tremendous amount of water, and the rest of the water becomes mineral-laden, so they have to do what they call blow it down, which is the same as flushing it. Every once in a while, they flush it out because it becomes too mineral-rich because they've evaporated too much of the pure water out of this, uh, out of this um, fresh water. So what that translates into is, in the United States, we use enough fresh water for cooling towers to provide for all of the household use of every citizen of Georgia and California combined, 50 million U.S. citizens. Or, in a, to put it another way, it would fill a pool that is five feet deep, which is kind of an average depth pool, 
but that five-foot-deep pool would be one mile wide and 2,000 miles long every year, fresh water that's just evaporated and thrown down the sewer. About two-thirds of it evaporates, about one-third of it has to be flushed down. So it's so, going back into the aquifers, though, right? Um, so when well, you say it, it flushes it, down into a sewer, they're not letting yeah, it absorb sure. down into the uh, earth itself? It's going into it a goes sewage? In, it, goes into, it goes into a wastewater treatment um, pipe okay. that then goes to a wastewater treatment facility, typically, and then is hopefully... Um, uh, typically what they do is they will um, let it seep into the earth after they've treated it. They, they use uh-huh. grain fields and so forth. But the uh, so, water but, but, that's but evaporated... I, I'll be at, uh, uh, Jay, I'm going to interrupt. We wait radio talk show host interrupt. <laughs> so go. forgive me, but uh, I'm go, still sure. going to ask some questions. Uh, okay, so when uh, the geothermal okay, is in the building... And the building right. is this, this special pipe going through the whole building, right? Right, right. Piping. Okay. Do they piping. put it in piping the floor? Piping that goes to special... No, you can they, put it in the floor. In the you floor? can put it in the ceiling. Does it go in the walls? Does it go in the ceiling? How does it go through the building? Just like radiant piping and heating dominant climates, you can put it in the floors and it will warm your feet. But I should... Uh, make it clear that the geothermal piping goes to a geothermal heat pump first, which brings the temperature of the earth earth fluid to the um, to the temperature you need for household heating and cooling, or even domestic hot water. And through an exchange so it, process, yeah, and, and now we're going to back up again for a minute. We're going to talk about it. Also, is a heating system and a cooling. That's correct, and it will, and it makes your domestic hot water right up to 130 degrees. Uh, now they haven't learned how to recycle that yet. Um, as far as I'm, I'm, the consumptive part of using hot water, if that's what you mean, um, that's well, uh, recycling that's the whole place. the system of the water. Yeah, they haven't figured out. Oh, the out water how is to... all recirculated. It's all in closed loops, and you once you put the water in, it's the same water over and over again, kind of like the radiator on a car. The difference okay. is, in this case, the uh, geothermal heat pump is using pipes that go down to the earth. And just mm-hmm. just a quick quick uh, everybody go to their mind palace and think for a minute. It doesn't matter whether you're in Minnesota. Or you're in, um, or you're in Cuba. The temperature of the Earth, six feet and below, uh, b- below, is going to be the median temperature for the year. So it might be 45 degrees in Minnesota all year long, which is a great heat source and a heat sink because heat pumps use that to concentrate heat or reject heat. Uh, the same thing, even if you're in a tropical climate such as the Bahamas, it's going to be 75 or 76 degrees year round when during the middle of the summer, it's 95 degrees outside, and that's a better heat sink. So primarily, on top of saving water from cooling towers, because geothermal eliminates cooling towers, it also is the least, it uses the least energy of any other heating cooling system um, in the world today. And that's, that's co- corroborated by the U.S. Department of Energy and every other reputable institution. And you might be surprised to know that almost every um, new federal building and almost every new public school, because it's very quietly done, is cooled and heated 
with geothermal heating and cooling systems. And on top of that, Ford's new plant up in, in Michigan is a $1 billion 10-year project that's all geothermal heated and cooled. Um, there are universities uh, without number. I mean, they, they're all, they seem to be switching faster than you can keep track of. The Indianapolis Airport is switching over to geothermal heating and cooling and saving millions of gallons of water a year doing that uh, and saving energy. It's it's a remarkable remarkable and but people don't know about it because it's kind of like quiet technology. The only thing that happens when the geothermal mm-hmm. heating and cooling system goes in is you don't see anything outside anymore because it's now coupled with Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. How long do you believe that they've had geothermal technology available? It's been a um, a, a technology that's been uh, written about in textbooks and implemented since the 1940s. Um, That was the first time that it came out in a technical magazine like Popular Science. Jay, I have to go to a commercial. I only have one during the whole show. And we're going to come back and educate people about what you've been teaching us and and share, and then we'll get into some health issues about how much this is much healthier inside the buildings. And Okay. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we're no. listening to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. The surface of your eye is 99% water from the moment you were born and that eyelid opened. You began to live with the electrolytic energy of water in the water vapor. As like Dr. Pollock was teaching us and we learned, we are each a walking battery charged with our water and our sponge of our body living with the electrolytic energy of water vapor in the air from moment of birth to our death. The surface of the eye must be re-supplemented every day to keep up with that supplementation of evaporation is causing your eyes to have any complaint whatsoever along with your exhaustion, your stress, vision impairment, to potential blindness. Did you know that macular degeneration degeneration is almost out of control, that little children are getting it, children, teenagers are getting macular degeneration, going blind? It's because of lack of supplementation. And Nature Tears IMS worldwide is patented worldwide, but is the first application to supplement the eyes for every day to try to stay ahead of anything that could happen for your eyes to have a vision impairment or an exhaustion of stress complaints and fatigue. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the trade secret tissue culture graded water with just a mist. And we'll be right back with Jay Egg. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Just a mist. 
All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Jay, when we took a moment there, our break with our sponsor, we were talking about back in the 40s when the technology became um, a future uh, to think about and to obviously buildings. Which buildings were they? Did, did they do anything about it in, those, in the 40s? Or did they just be start studying it? Uh, they, uh, it's interesting. Um, you had your um, your uh, backyard mechanic uh, and your uh, engineers um, putting uh, piping into the ground and transferring heat to and from their home or businesses um, up until the 80s when... The international Dr. Bose at the at Oklahoma State University said we need, and he got funded for this. He said we need, we really need to make this a um, a standard uh, nationwide. Uh, and I actually sit on the international committee that writes standards for solar and hydronic. This is a, called a hydronic technology, water hydro. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, and and so it has become something that is being standardized. Um, worldwide now, and it's it's no small stir. It the public tends to know very little about it because it's not like solar photovoltaic panels or windmills that are kind of like a badge of honor for green uh, for green movement. It's like, hey, look, you can see my solar panels, you can see my windmill. With a geothermal system, um, if you don't see it installed, maybe the drill rigs there or the backhoes there putting the pipes in the ground. You don't ever know about it again because it lasts longer than any other system because there's no outdoor equipment. It uses less energy and it's out of sight, out of mind, and just dead quiet. So it's mm-hmm. the most amazing technology that you can put in for heating and cooling, the least energy consumption, the least water consumption, no emissions like fossil fuel heating, which uses combustion, which is a big, big problem mm-hmm. now. Geothermal has no on-site emissions. Uh, and so it's got all the right answers. So uh, countries mm-hmm. worldwide are, are, are instituting this into their building codes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there a country out there that's using, uh, uh, applying geothermal to their infrastructure planning uh, within their population more than anyone else? Is there anybody that you've learned? Um Okay, Sweden, it's actually the minimum standard for building construction now. They don't allow okay. anything but geothermal in. Um, okay. I'll give you two other examples very quickly. New did, York did you know State, that Sweden is really, wait a minute, uh, excuse me, uh, did you know please. that uh, Sweden is very much in the study of water as a, big, as a priority infrastructure? Well, that they, would they, make great they, sense. The Swedish family uh, had a water conference every year for many, many years. So maybe that's 
one of the reasons that uh, they're a little ahead of, of other countries. They certainly are, Sharon. I couldn't agree more. As a matter of fact, I travel frequently, uh, an average of two times a month, and most of the time it's either with the American Groundwater Trust on their speaking circuit because they are one of the biggest, biggest advocates of geothermal heating and cooling because it preserves their technologies. The National Groundwater mm-hmm. Association, go mm-hmm. on and on with it. Uh, and and um, to, you asked about um, anybody implementing this. Uh, New York State has, has put... Um, as a, an entire organization working on getting their, their building codes. Uh, recently, Ontario came out with a building code um, that said by 2030, everything has to be um, combustion-free. The only way to heat a building without combustion furnaces is with geothermal heating. Okay. Heat pumps. I'm glad to explain that. So, okay, okay. Yes, uh-huh. yes. And that's a huge thing. For people to understand, you think about it, how do you get heat when it's freezing, when it's zero degrees outside? Heat pumps fail to work at zero degrees. Well, not if you're tapping into the earth. Well, the it's earth so has recharged every Yeah, right. It's a, the earth yeah. is the world's biggest solar collector because it is the world, and it collects energy all summer long and mm-hmm. stores. It's also the biggest thermal mm-hmm. battery. So that kind of mm-hmm. brings that part of it home. So. It, uh, mark my words, it, anywhere where geothermal isn't the minimum code for building construction now or in process, it will be because it makes the most sense. And when McGraw-Hill mm-hmm. asked me to write these books, they had an inkling that it was going into building codes within the next 10 or so years because they wanted to mm-hmm. these words mm-hmm. uh, onto the printed page. Mm-hmm. Well, on my side, um, it's healthier. Um, my yes. field is studying the um, water loss of the human body with over-evaporation. What is happening is we've got to think about what's healthier for people so they don't over-evaporate. And their body may water I loss. Speak, may I speak to that just a little bit with regard yes, to the geothermal ahead. heating? If you're using combustion heating, um, and this is all part of uh, the fluid uh, dynamics and the, and, the, and the science of the moisture in the air, which you probably understand far more about that than I do, but um, if you're using combustion heating, it just um, blasts all the moisture right out of the air uh, because the, the heating elements are where the heat passes by the uh, burners so hot that it, it cooks the moisture out of the air. Where with geothermal heating, it's a much more low and even heat and allows well, it moisture like to stay put, would put mo- um, some, uh, It would add moisture to the air. If you put in the right type of system, you can moisturize the air. The geothermal itself, the water running through the building, doesn't actually mm-hmm. release into the air per, uh, per se, but you can always put in humidifiers. Right, of course. Uh, the point that I want to want to make to be perfectly correct is that it will give you the... And it's a, it's a, uh, a, a bragging point of geothermal. It will... It now, I'm going to ask you... I'm going to ask you kind of a leading question here because uh, I study all this, too. Is when... What state do you think you have... Uh, do, you have do you have any idea 
in the United States, which one of our states that you have the most amount of geothermal energy inside of those buildings? Which state has utilized it more? Um, I see. Uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about um, my travels and uh, everywhere I see it in, implemented. Um, Indiana and Oklahoma, kind of where where the uh, epicenter of the study has been, has a tremendous mm-hmm. amount of, of geothermal heating mm-hmm. and cooling. But that's uh, I, when you look at the Northeast, they are heavily geothermal. If you look at Florida. And it's not all due to my, my uh, by any means, my, there are a lot of great geothermal contracting and engineering entities in Florida. It's become very commonplace. As a matter of fact, we've got whole city centers converting all their buildings to common geothermal. So if I went to Oklahoma or to Indiana, mm-hmm. and I was going to do some research, that mm-hmm. I would see a lot of buildings probably yes. more of the larger buildings at home, Jet, uh, that yeah. are using would, geothermal, and they've got these huge, um, what do you call them? What, do you, what did you call those outside the building? Geothermal heat pumps. Oh, no, yeah, the cooling okay, towers. Okay, ge- geothermal those. heat pumps, putting water vapor uh, mm-hmm. different temperatures into the air, right? Right. Those are cooling towers, yes, and you will see less cooling towers because they're not, in uh, geothermal cooled buildings, they don't need them. They don't need anything outside because they're using the earth as the heat sink. And so you will you will probably find that most public school buildings, most many public buildings, and lots and lots of the homes in these states are geothermal heated and cooled. They won't have any equipment outside. You'll go. Where is the? Uh, okay, so there's nothing they outside. There's That's nothing correct. outside putting uh, water vapor into the air. Right. That okay. There is nothing outside. Now, uh, just to be perfectly correct, it's worth, and this is why it's um, sometimes hard for people to understand because there are different variations of the way people, uh, the way our, our, our um, engineering force pulls buildings. But uh, exclusive, you always need, if you don't have geothermal, some type of uh, an outside unit to get rid of the heat when you're cooling it. So if you think about your own home or maybe some neighbors, you, you can remember that it's got an outside unit out there. They typically call it an air conditioning condenser. And it's outside and it's a little bit loud. It's blowing air out and that's where it gets the heat out. And it also pulls heat in in the wintertime. That's the part that's eliminated in residential homes. And many commercial buildings have those too. But when they get larger, then it goes to the cooling towers that we talked about. Okay, now, Either way, Jay, Jay, what, I'm, yeah, what I'm after... <clears throat> is, um, and I have studied the water vapor uh, to try to understand the behavior of it. See, for you to know, uh, when Earth had that water vapor around the planet for billions of years before the organism of life dropped with a raindrop, and what happened in that vapor, something around the solar system changed the temperature where the vapor was not misting any longer, but a heavier drop evaporated out of there. And that's when Earth began to have a pounding of rain uh, for billions of years, too, um, to be able to begin the organism of water life. Right. What I'm after to hear from you, uh, what's going on there, is that those um, uh, geothermal uh, 
energy inside the building is not putting more moisture back into the air. It's right. going what it is, is it's going back down into the ground. The yeah, uh, going back. leftover, let's just say the recycling of the filtering of the water as it's filtering itself through the process of the geothermal technology energy, right? Right. It doesn't consume any water. It all it all stays in the ground or goes back in the ground, depending on okay, the type I'm, of geothermal okay. source it is. Okay. Yeah. So then it's going down into the aquifers. Uh, it's going back into the aquifers as a filtered water. Um, am I right? Yes, you are right. Okay. Now, is there a filter system to the geothermal um, technology? Is it going through a like a filter system also, so that it constantly keeps itself uh, lighter weight, it doesn't get too heavy? Did you follow me on that? Yes, I did. Um, part of the codes that are implemented I mean, for the geothermal water, the water doesn't get the water heavy. right. Yeah, it right. gets it, it, it stays get lighter weight, not heavy weighted water, as it begins to recycle, recycle, and recycle itself. You follow mm-hmm. that? The, the the codes that we have to comply with require that mm-hmm. this, any water that's pulled out of the earth for geothermal uh-huh. heating and cooling, and and there are variations of geothermal. Most many of them are closed loop, meaning there's just pipes down there touching the water, okay. but not okay. and transferring heat with it. But there are types uh-huh. of geothermal that pull water from the aquifer and run it through what's called an exchanger that doesn't mm-hmm. change the water's the water's chemical composition, oxygen content, or anything. It has the code requires it to be put back into the same aquifer from which it came okay. in exactly the same co- chemical composition it was when you pulled it out. So the aquifer doesn't okay. see any different. That's part mm-hmm. of and, and does that answer your question? Yes, it did. In fact, um, <clears throat> to teach you something where I come from with my evaluations, is I, I was hoping you weren't putting more water back into the atmosphere. Um, the no. atmosphere is having struggles of its own. It <clears throat> is. Because it? it's over-evaporating. And that's why right. your human body, all life on Earth, is over-evaporating. It's water loss. It's over-evaporating. That's why these diseases, and and if you heard me discuss, uh, be, there has not, how long has it been since you heard of a cure of a disease? Uh, it's been a long time, actually. Yeah. I have to see my dermatologist every water six months. Because it's water, it's water in the body that uh, needs to be studied to figure out how are we going to cure these water, this disease, because we're all over evaporating. But we're living like a battery charging. It isn't like it is a battery charging electrolytically with the water vapor of the air. It's struggling. And one of the reasons that I've evaluated as a struggle with it, too, is the fact that we don't have a, 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 a lot of fresh water on the surface of the earth the way we used to have. Remember years ago when the rivers were higher and the streams were higher and the lakes were higher, and now they're all running to the ocean, and the oceans are coming up, but the fresh water is getting depleted, and that, that water vapor that's... attracts to that fresh water. 
That is 100% um, my belief. I've seen it proven over and over working with the uh, groundwater authorities and the surface water yeah. authorities. Okay. It is a problem. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. We've only got a minute left. How do they find you? Yeah. How do they find you on the uh, website to come and visit you if, and get to know you? If you Google anything about geothermal um, heating, cooling, uh, geothermal books, anything, I'll probably be on the first page because my books are for okay. sale on Amazon and mm-hmm. uh, it, they, they uh, do a great job of marketing. But by and large, I'm number one, first and foremost, a, an advocate of geothermal heating and cooling. About 75% mm-hmm. of my work and my speaking is pro bono to get the word mm-hmm. out to the public about this technology. Right. Probably kind of like what you do. Yeah. Mine, mine is human. Yeah. But I, I uh, decided years ago, Jay, to get into supplementation with handheld portable devices, and we got into the medical field of the first water in history worldwide, wow. and, and because I'm a believer of water should be the number one infrastructure in every community, in every spot on the planet Earth, it, we've got to push our leaders, our politicians, to make water the number one priority, and you, with your background, I could see why you would say, yes, it's very, very important, but you have a nice very day, important. if you ever want to come back Thank on you. again, let us know. I wish you, you well. I wish you well, Sharon. You're doing a great thing. And thank you. You be well. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, did we learn a lot about the geothermal energy for our homes in the future and our buildings and our lifestyle? And I need to tell you, I was really pleased to hear it wasn't pushing more water vapor back into the air unwanted. I'm very concerned about this unwanted with nature of the planet. Got to work with the nature of how we do this with the water vapor has got to be a priority to me for you us to find out what these symptoms of our diseases are and the planet Earth disease. I want to thank you for listening again. I, I, I really look forward to the show. I wish I could do it more commonly, and I'm a very busy person behind a desk, and I do research every day, running a corporation to go worldwide too. But I want to thank you for listening. Embrace your life. It's a very special life to you. But also embrace somebody else's life to make it special too. But Earth whispers, don't say goodbye. Because you want to leave something of yourself for all those generations of children to come to know you cared too. That the power of water is going to survive our Earth for eternity. I want to thank you for listening. And you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour. Health, environment, and the power of water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Hour.com.